And then the other, the other, like uh, vein or topic I'm involved in is called non-duality, yeah, which is a view that really becomes obvious if you allow AA's ideas to take you as far as they go, because they always boil it down to self, yes. And in non-duality, there's a there's a, a negating of the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate thing. You know? So instead of trying to have a spirit's condition, you're seen as a spirit's condition, which is really a good form of maintenance of a spiritual condition, which is the basis of our daily reprieve. Yeah, to be a spiritual condition is, is, is way more advanced than having a spiritual condition. So you see what you're not, and in seeing what you're not, you find out what you are. You see that you're not a self, and you find out that you're spirit. Instead of trying to find out, to know that you're spirit from what you're not, you know what you're not from what you are. So now, the starting point is spirit, not the idea of being Paul. Yeah? And so now you have a, there's another lane in the sort of narrating highway, and you can see the, all the cars moving this and forth, and yet there's, you're so prior to it, there's a freedom in it, yeah? So thoughts and all that stuff are seen, instead of just reacted to constantly as yours. And then, you know, I had a big experience in AA, you know, when I came in, I felt I had extreme terminal uniqueness, obviously, and it felt like I had a really thick shell. And I truly believed that no one thought like I did, no one felt like I did, no one did the heinous things <clears throat> I had done. And I sat there for a few months in meetings, and after a few months, I could only come to two conclusions. Like, how did these people get my thoughts, or they're not my thoughts? Because how could they be mine if you're having them? It's just, you know, it just excludes the singularity, personalness of it all. It's more like a stock box of thoughts, so to speak. And so, and what, so I saw that they weren't my thoughts, at least on one level. And so then I, could, I saw that. And there was some relief. There was space, more space between thoughts and me, in a sense. Yeah. Instead of right on it, there was a little out, and so you could see it clearer. Yeah. Like when you're in a crash, you don't know what caused it or whatever. But if you saw it from a camera higher up, you could see the car made that left. Yes. There's just a lot more knowledge available when you're not right on it. Yeah. All right. So. What occurred is I was uh, just did what we do in AA. Yeah, I I knew I had admitted many times I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And if you're not, don't worry. It just it goes to the same place. Yeah, everyone is recovering from something in a sense. Yeah, so uh, you know I I had admitted many times I was an alcoholic and an addict to get drugs and alcohol. Yeah, but so I don't, I'm not a real believer in how it's stated in the first step. I like it in the, in the big book where it says you admit it to your innermost self. That's what really, that was my experience. And what happened was for me, the last four days of my drinking career started out March 17th, 1988. It was a regular day, but it was called St. Patrick's Day. But I went on out St. Patrick's Day, but I could have said that about every other day. 
I went out. It wasn't like a unique, oh, I'm going to party because it's St. Patrick's Day. It just happened to be St. Patrick's Day. Because at that point, my getting loaded was a job. It wasn't like some party or recreation. It was a strong demand that I had to get high. <laughs> so I went out. I lost the car somewhere between March 17th, March 18th. March 19th, I don't know what happened, just a blur, probably, you know. And March 20th, I came to in a trailer park about two hours north of San Francisco, next to this hang gliding airport in this town called Calistoga. And I was sitting across from a guy in a trailer who I didn't, didn't know who he was. It just, you know, I, it was like I parachuted into the moment out of a blackout, you know what I mean? Like behind enemy lines, like I fucking assess what's going on. And then there was a bottle of Royal Gate vodka, cheap vodka. Like I think it would be called Smirnoff here or something, yeah? Cheap vodka. And uh, I was passing this back and forth, just drinking, trying to stay drunk until I could try to get high. And the dilemma then was for the last months, uh, what I didn't have any money, yeah, which put a big, you know, bent in my little ambitions. And I'd have to convince others to do what I wanted to do. Now, my batting average had been going down precipitously, success, because I wasn't, people weren't going for it anymore. My charm was waning. I didn't look too good. <laughs> so, so I was one angry mofo, so to speak. And I was basically just trying to stay oblivious with the hopes of, getting someone to get some cocaine, basically, so that was my more, right? So I'm drinking this bottle with him, and I look at his, him, and he has a big head, bulbous nose, and I say to myself, this guy's a bum, you know? He looked like one. And then lo and behold, he was looking back at me like I was a bum, at least that's how I interpreted. And then something stopped, everything stopped. The head, that streaming, that narration, just stopped and then something uh, like opened up behind me, above me, I didn't see it, but some information downloaded and the information went to that innermost, which I did not know its location or wherever, or that it was even available, but I now know it is. And it bypassed the disease orient, right, it's here, the, the mind, you know, as we say in AA, the problem resides in the mind, you know, so it bypassed that, just like we bypassed Baltimore on these freeways. You've got weird freeways in Maryland. <laughs> they just go a lot of, lot of looping over them. So this thing downloaded and, uh, and fouled very quickly like a CNN news flash, just the headline, and I won't use the words exactly now, because of people, the baby, I don't want to <laughs> impress it with this. And it was just like a headline, no story, and it was, I'm screwed. Yeah. Now, I'd been screwed for quite a while, but it was news to me, really, because of that muscle denial, keeping everything out. Everyone else would have, oh yeah, you've been screwed for years, Paul, but you know, it's like, yeah, I know. And then it hit me, and then the next thing was, you know, I'm not managerial quality, basically. It just told me. And since then, it never came up for review or debate. It doesn't come up every seven years to see if we can change management teams. It was just been an absolute conviction. And I didn't know it, but I'm really, really happy that I have the ability to be convinced. 
because I have been convinced, and we use that term, being convinced is, has to do with a lot of the steps, yeah? I am convinced that I am not managerial qualities. I am convinced that I'm palace of alcohol and drugs, and that my life is unmanageable. Now, I used to think it was because I used and drank that caused the unmanageability, but that was a rude awakening when I stopped using and drinking, and it was still freaking unmanageable. So I realized that was mistaken, and it's actually my managing that causes is it to be unmanageable. And one of my managings around alcoholism was alcohol and drugs. That's I was trying to get relief from alcoholism by drinking alcohol and drugs. It was, and it's it worked for a while. Yeah. So what happened from that point on? All different thoughts came down because you know I had given up all hope because two years and ten months before that day. I had entered a drug and alcohol program, which I stayed two years in, living. And, uh, you know, I'm not proud of it, but I thrive in an institutional setting. People would tell me what to do 24 seven, went to college, and they would tell me, you know, that period in your life is no rather long is over now, and it's all gonna go well. They didn't have AA or anything. And I would had a strong suspicion they may be wrong, and it was proven that they were. And I graduated with flying colors, two years, and then I was left to my own devices again, which aren't my devices, something else. Because the parasite can hibernate, you know? It can go underground. It's not dead, it doesn't seem to be active, but it's not dead. It just hides for a while, and at the right circumstances, situations, just maybe one thought or, or a weird look from somebody, it will trigger, yes, and then, and uh, it then it uses us for transportation. So at that point, you know, two years it was subdued. I got out of Delancey Street and I got felt irritable, restless, and discontent quickly after I got off of work. I didn't know what to do with myself to I was going to go to bed. So I got off at 5, and 11 o'clock seemed like an eternity to me. And I just got really antsy, and I decided to go down because, oh, this idea had hit me. In about a year through the program, I felt I, I uh, became specific about my problem, which was narcotics. Yeah? And I made a little addendum about <clears throat> alcohol that I could probably drink. Now, I didn't tell anyone in the program. I just <laughs> stored it up there. It was going to become useful when I left. <laughs> so then, so I'm feeling weird, and I remember there's this bar I used to go to, San Francisco. So I decided to drive down there, armed with this idea I can drink. You know, I'm not going to do coke, I'm just going to have a few. Have my first, so I go there, being obsessed with self, I think the bartender's been getting my newsletter, but he doesn't know, I've been missing for a few years, he could care less. So, put the money down, he gives me a beer, I drink the beer, and nothing happens. feel like I have impunity, yeah? lights don't come on, no one rushes in, you can't drink anything. So I order a second beer, halfway through the second beer, it's not enough for me. I wanted more, and more could be more alcohol, whatever it is, but more. And I looked around the room, and I was looking if I recognized anyone from the past who used to sell more, and the same guy that used to sell more there was still selling it. He had like a franchise at this little establishment. Kissed his ass, got some more, went out to my Toyota Corolla, which I was gonna lose two days later. 
did a line of more and uh, it was like that movie, The Shining with Jack Nicholson going through the bathroom door at the end. He was Johnny, that whole thing. It was like that. And I truly see alcoholism as a parasitical agent, really. That's how I see it. I think it's completely foreign to us. But it jacks into our brain and jacks into the thought system and it talks to us as us. If you could see it as Stanley, you wouldn't take one eighth of its advice. But when it sounds like you, you've been listening to it religiously for 40, 50 years. It's not, it's not the material, it's this little spell of being identified as the thinker of the thoughts. That's where the bondage lies. And if you're believing what's going through your head, is you're gonna believe it's take, and it's, gonna, it's idea of surrender is fuck it, really. If it can lead you to that, you're apt to do almost anything. And it will give you suggestions. It will tell, go get a drunk or do this or go out with this person or rob this store or whatever. It will. And then you'll be left holding the bag. You'll be left holding the consequences. And now the parasite is out. Yeah. And if you see alcoholism or addiction, it's really an amplifying agent. Yeah. So let's say you have a tendency for dishonesty, let's say, or jealousy. So maybe you have a little strain of jealousy. If you start drinking and using, you're up on stalking charges a few months later. You are, right? It gets amplified. All the stuff that you really like to tamp down just goes, gets much louder. It's sort of like introduce, like if we're okay, we're like an acoustic system, yeah? You know, a little strumming here and there. But then with alcoholism, it gets electrified. It's like electric, long freaking solos, you know, <laughs> or drum things that go on forever. Yes? It just amplifies everything. And then we're, we're, our attention and interest just gets sucked up into it. And we have a new reality. And it, and it keeps projecting the reality by narration, incessant narration. Just yapping and yapping and yapping. So, uh... I got, did the line of coke, and then I went on a 10-month run, right, from that night. <clears throat> I would say it's more like a slide, really, you know? It's like you could take maybe a step or two on a slide, but then you, yeah, the first step or two is like having some marijuana or something. Then I, I was walking with a friend in a park, and he didn't see it, but I saw a needle thrown out needle, I just, I got rid of him as quickly as possible. Doubled back, got that needle, because I was out of circulation, two years and something, and I got that needle, bent it, unbent it, cleaned it, copped some coke, and there I went off to the races. So after 10 months, I had arrived at this, this trailer park. <laughs> and I called this lady, uh, <laughs> who had helped me many, many times. Uh, and I asked her if she would help me. And uh, she did, she agreed, and she drove up. It took about two hours to get there. In those two hours, I had a miraculous alcoholic recovery. I wanted to get loaded again. And I tried to talk to her into, you know, buying some dirty magazines, some beer, getting the cocaine, rent the hotel room. and. Uh, she had followed that equation a couple of times with me. One wasn't that satisfying for her. She says, no, we're not doing that, Paul. Uh, do you want a place to stay tonight? That's what I really wanted, because I had nowhere to go, nothing. 
And she and I said, yeah. She says, you got to go to an AA meeting. I'll take you to a meeting. So she took me to my first meeting. And, you know, I got struck sober, really, in that trailer. But that struck sober would dissipate in two days. But the next day, I got introduced to AA. And AA's way of life extended that surrender for 31 years. A surrender will dissipate very quickly unless it's combined with a way of life. And we have a way of life. So now people are trying to do a lot of things like a lot of drugs, ayahuascas and stuff like that, which is all cool. But they don't have a way of life. So they'll have a sense of surrender and experience, but the same old patterns will arise. And they have no way. They're, they don't, you, because we're in seemingly in time, you need a way of life. And you need principles, because principles outshine circumstances and situations. They don't, the principle doesn't sh get shook up by what's happening. It can bring a leveling agent to seeing what's happening. So the AA principles are sound. And then what happens is you go into recovery, and instead of having this idea, because we're masters of changing how we feel, that's what we do with drugs and alcohol. Geographics. We were changing how we feel all the time, but all that changing was chaotically directed. Now the change that's going to happen in AA is going to be directed with wisdom, and that's growth. Yeah, so there'll be growth. The change won't be all dissipated, same old, same old, just dispersed. It will grow, and a momentum will occur. Yeah. You want a momentum will occur, and just like it describes in the book, when you first sincerely take a position, the effects are pretty cool. Hey, you'll have a new employer, uh, being all-powerful, all this stuff's going to happen. But then they really flip over when you sincerely take the position, which happens in time. Yeah? You know I mean, when you're established in a position. So in time, these principles are unwavering, and the corrections can be occurred, and it's really about submitting yourself to the program. You just submit yourself to the program and the program will change you. It's going to change what you're not. It's going to extract what is of the parasite. Yeah. And then now suddenly it will amplify what you're of instead of the opposite way where the parasitical mental takeover mutes what you are and amplifies what you're not. This will mute what you're not and amplify what you are. And it can lead to incredible insight because you can see what you're not. Because you are the spirit and there's nothing before the spirit. The seeing of what we are and the seeing today, what's looking out of all our heads, there's nothing that's before that. That's it. That's what we are. Yeah. So suddenly now I'm established. Um, it's sort of like... Uh, the horse is in front of the cart, and then things start making sense. And what happened with me, my entertaining AA and allowing AA to do what it does, it led me to see that the root of the problem is the act of being identified as self. Yeah. So it really blew me away, and it started all with looking at a sentence, page 64, it says, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, being convinced, which is a present tense state. Now, you're being convinced. Yeah? Life should be constantly 
convincing you of what? That you're not managerial quality, that any life run on self-will will be possessed. It's constantly. Yeah, so being convinced of what? That self, self, manif and I'm not talking about ego. The ego is not what I see as self. The sense of self is feeling like you're the thinker when thoughts are noticed. The feeling of being the feeler when feelings are noticed. Something's noticing the feelings, but I don't believe it's you. I believe it's really what you are, which is consciousness. So consciousness be, is aware of thoughts. The mental state presents you as the one who's having the thoughts. So now this becomes the one that the thing that's conscious. When consciousness is enlivening this thing, this isn't producing consciousness. Consciousness is actually enlivening this. So the spirit fills up the form and gives life through the form. But the form is not what's spirit. Yeah? So the generator is spirit. And the expression is form. In this is disease of alcoholism and the prior one of self-centeredness, the form is the supreme position. And the unform or no thing or spirit is under, under, completely underemphasized, where to the point you believe as form you're going to become spiritual. Try grafting spirit onto the body. It's not going to stay on. <laughs> you can try to sew it, iron it, tattoo it. It doesn't. <laughs> The daily reprieve is contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. The highest form of maintenance would be a spiritual condition. The need to maintain it constantly is when you're being a body. <laughs> because you have to constantly keep reapplying it because it's not sticking. It doesn't last. Yes, you got to be vigilant and work all freaking time. Why is that? Because you're trying to you're trying to take what you are and paint it on what you're not, and just look, just seeing what you're not from what you are. If you see what you are from spirit, you'll see this is not you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then the horse is in front of the cart. Now you're at the beginning of the game board. Monopoly will make a whole different sense if you're at the starting point than like Baltic place. <laughs> You know, you can see things clearer. So, and these are all effects that have happened with me. So in this statement, it says, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So, self and us are separate, yes? Way here, yeah? So, this is us, and then there's things, something called self, that seems to have defeated all of us by its manifestations. Because self cannot defeat us because there isn't one. <laughs> but, but when there is what we are, taking itself to be a self, then that manifestations will defeat us. Yeah? Because we've got the juice. The self is imaginary. Yeah? So being convinced that self manifested in a lot of different ways is what has defeated us. Yeah? We will now look at what? Self's common manifestations, beginning of the inventory process, which is we're going to look at resentments, fears, and harming done to other 
in the pursuit of what we want, and we look at the sexual arena. And this is like the basic introductory inventory. Yeah? So it says, all right, being convinced that self manifests various ways, what has defeated us? If you are, we will now look at its common manifestations. And then the next paragraph says resentment. Yeah? So resentment and fear and harming others in the pursuit of what you want is a manifestation of self. They're not your manifestation. So something, let's say like Stanley, Stanley is manifest, manifesting through me, and every time I see one of Stanley's manifestations, I call it mine. That would be identification as Stanley, yes? Am I Stanley? No. Will I ever be Stanley? No. But at that moment, I'm identified as Stanley, because I can't see what's happening. I think I'm the producer of the manifestation of self when I'm not, because Bill W. has separated us. We're us. Self is something else. Self manifests through us and defeats us. How? How does it constantly defeat us? Because its manifestations are called your manifestations. You think, oh, these are my resentments, yes? You can hear most people innocently when they're trying to share how to do an inventory, you're going to look at your resentments. They're not your resentments. They're manifestations of self. You read it. It's Bill W.'s words. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. If, if, if they were ours, it would have said, being convinced that Paul, Mary, Jim, and every name of every alcoholic, yeah, being convinced that we all, by our manifestations, have defeated we all. But it doesn't say that. It says self and us. So us is not self. So basically, what's defeating us is a foreign pathogen, or whatever you want to call it, yeah? And the only way, and this is what happened, when I saw this clearly, being convinced that self manifests in various ways, and I saw that self was not me, I could entertain a possibility that was not available until that moment, which is I can be free from it. And then when I, that possibility arose, then I saw in a flash my whole life from about six on, and what I had been trying to do was trying to be free as self. I, f I fell right under that category of the one of the greatest warnings of our community, which is self can't get out of self. And basically, I pleaded guilty, because that's exactly what I had been trying to do since I was six. I've been trying to get out of me, but I wanted to be there when I got out of me. <laughs> and I mean, I, could, I would go to great lengths and persist with this understanding that I, I can transcend Paul as Paul. When I used to shoot coke, it was a religion, really. I was trying to tighten my mind to a point where it would snap and I would think everything would be different. Yeah? And I'm here to say you cannot transcend an imaginary place, nor you can you transcend a real place as an imaginary person. <laughs> you can look at it either way. You're not getting out of here. <laughs> so when I saw that, it was the whole trigger of the real relief was by seeing it as foreign to me. As soon as I could see it as not me, it showed me I can be free from it. And then it explained to me, I've been trying to be free as it or through it or with it, 
my whole freaking life. And I'm telling you, we're not going to domesticate a parasite. <laughs> You're not going to make it a friend through therapy. It's just, it's gonna, it's like the old story of the snake and the woman. The, the, the woman finds his snake, it's almost dead, and she takes it home, puts it in a shoebox, feeds it with a little eyedropper, you know, little, like, cuts a little comforter out for it. And after a few days, it's starting to feel better. It takes it outside, and he's, she's walking around with her snake, and the snake bites her. And she goes, why did you bite me, Mr. Snake? I've been so nice. She says, hey, I'm a snake. <laughs> a parasite is a parasite is a parasite. It doesn't have a life. It wants the one you're offering. <laughs> and if you got to see it, how can you not see it? If this parasite is one of the most hostile parasites you've ever run into, look at what your life is like under the influence of active alcoholism and addiction. It will bring you to great depths. I mean, it led me thinking I was so cool at times with a nice little jacket and my little new wave action figure thing. And we'd go out and after doing coke and we all end up after three or four days in someone's place, apartment, and we all had our own seats shooting coke and everything. And then you'd run out of coke. And then you start looking at the rug and you would see something on the rug and you would say, that looks like coke. And then one of you gets down on the rug and you start looking for lint or anything and you'll actually shoot the shit up, really. And then you, hey, stay away. This is my little acreage. And then, I mean, that's where it will take you. That will, that's where it will take you. It took us once, I remember my friend and I, I liked opium, you know, I, used to, I sold opium when I was younger. So we heard that this guy had opium at this three-day metal, heavy metal thing in uh, Oakland, California. So we were going to meet him on the pedestrian bridge. We drove over there, got the little tinfoil. My friend got it, tarish, it looked all right. We get home, we get to the apartment, we uh, cook it up, shoot it up. And then my girlfriend walks in and she says, man, there's a, there's a strong smell in here. It smells like incense. So we're going, what? And we're trying to say, don't you feel it? It's in the coming on. We're trying to coax ourselves into an experience. But we just shot it in fucking incense. So after knowing that, we tried it again. We shot incense again. I mean, you wouldn't ever imagine yourself to be where this thing takes you. So this thing is a very hostile takeover, you have to admit it, yeah? So it has to have an incredible strategy to <clears throat> forestall the compulsion of the host to throw it off, yeah? It's sort of like if a big bug landed on me and I saw it, I'd knock it right off. If it landed on me 50 times, I'd knock it right off, yeah? But this, this parasite has an incredible strategy. It convinces the host that it's the host. So you can't entertain being free other than as it, which is bondage of self. You can't, the only freedom is from it. Yeah, that's why it says in AA, it says, please relieve us of the bondage of self. Bondage of self is an activity that we're engaged with. We're the bond maker by believing in the thought system. And having faith in the thought system is what produces anxiety out of what's not happening. 
Most people who are flipping out right now, it isn't based on right now. It's based on last week or next week. Yeah? We live in a fucking theater. Just like when you were a kid, I was a kid, no, everything was cool in the house. And, you know, I saw life is happening. Yeah? That's how it looked. And then after around four years old, it turned into life's happening to me. The self-centeredness got developed and then increased my trauma. When pe people in my family died, I was sucked more into it. And it's the only counsel I took. The only counsel I took was my own fucking broadcast system. And it had been taken over by something. And uh, that something used me for transportation for quite a while. I mean, I got run over twice by the same car in one night. That's hard to fucking do, you know? This is where it took. When I drank or used, I had magnetic appeal in people uniform. I put out a fucking dog whistle and I tracked a lot of shit. Yeah? This stuff had to end. So I really believe that, that you have to get to the causes and conditions and the exact nature of the wrong. I do. That's what they say to, for us in the big book. Get to the exact nature of the wrong. And I'm just humbly offering you what I see is the exact nature of the wrong. And to, be, and to remind us that the people when they wrote the book had four years of sobriety the most. We have people now that have been living under this effect for 50 years. As they said in the book, more people will, more, you know, we know but a little more will be revealed by other people. Well, let's stay open to other revelations. Yeah? The exact nature of the wrong, to me, is the act of being identified as self. Now, you're not doing that act, but the mental processes are. So when you're remembered, you're remembered as a body. Yeah? Sorry I'm just looking at you, but I don't know why it happens. <laughs> I'll try to look at them. Maybe you're the sicker section. We could change. I'd have to change a few seats. We'd put all of them over there. Well, sometimes I, I fixate on a thing. It's not me, anyway. Something just, just comes through. I want to share so much about it, really. But... The, the, the point is, if it is the act of being identified, then all your hopes and dreams for freedom are compromised because you're going to try to be free as that. Where the freedom is based on from. And the only way it can be freedom from is by seeing what you've been calling you as not you, really. Because... Whatever part of you that you remembered has been infected greatly by this parasite. Yeah. And I've seen it over and over again. I see people who have a lot of years but not enough days in recovery. Yeah. They have a resume, but they're not, there isn't that sense of freedom. Yeah. And to me, I don't want to know how to manage a problem. I want to outgrow it. I don't. I don't want to have to constantly manage something just to get a little bit of my lawn available for me to hang out on. Yeah, we used to have one of our famous stories is the pooper scooper story. But we'll get to that. <laughs> there are all ways of just trying to get a, a point across, yeah? Because I'm telling you from my own observation, I've traveled lighter for years now. 
as what I'm not. This is where the benefit of entertaining these ideas are expressed as this. Yeah? And it wasn't like everything got great. It's just allowed me to travel lighter through whatever life has had in store for me, basically. And after years of it, I came to the conclusion, what more do you want, really? Yeah? Because here, in this little dualistic spin, you're either going to be traveling heavy or light. You know? And it would be nice if you had the habit of leaning towards the light instead of constantly, constantly being stubbornly uh, you know, drawn to the heavy. And, uh, to this day, I'm still moved by trying to share it with people because I, uh, you know, I know that is exquisite suffering. I have a nephew who's now 50-something years old, my sister, my older sister, who's a fucking addict, drug addict. And, you know, I get, like, a call every eight years or something when he needs money. He's 53 years old, you know, he's got heart problems, and the same old, same old, you know? And he never got to the point, the first big wave of recovery is when you see your role in things. He's never gotten there. He still thinks he got shortchanged by his family, by his father. Never fucking lets the resentment go, the resentment just eats it, feeds off of him for all these years, yeah? Never had that opportunity to stick with the principle so that he could see his role in things, finally. You know, and that's not a huge move, and yet the amount of relief that comes from that is huge. Could you imagine if you really saw your own things, really, really way far back? Yeah, that's just a small little move, but it has great effects just to see your role. The difference of the first column and the fourth column in the inventory is unbelievable. Yeah. And then all those things they said in the book start being, they're living illustrations of your life. That, you know, you step, you know, other people stepped on your toes, but in, if you look into the situation, you will invariably find that you made a decision based on what? On self. Yes? On self. Not based on you. On self. And if you look at the word self in dictionary, there's like 140 attributes of it. Maybe they've added probably every year. And if you weigh the 140 attributes and you make it, let's say, good or bad or expansion, contraction, or heavy or light, about 90 are super heavy, like self-immolation, self-hate, self-fucking-loathing, and then there's self-love, a little, but about, <laughs> the scale is way, way biased. You know what I mean? So basically, any life run on self, self is going to go that theme. It's going to forget a miracle in a half hour, but it's going to remember it in an imaginary slight for 40 fucking years. What do you want that to be the theme setter? Do you want that to be the theme setter? Is that where you want to start the day from? Perhaps there's a better way. Trusting something infinite rather than finite self. It's exactly the way, that's the way of life of AA. Is you leave the truck, because obviously there was, there was a trust before you start trusting the infinite, you've been completely in trust or faith in finite self. And where is that demonstrated? In the believing the thoughts that are being broadcast all day. We totally have been a, a devotee of that thought system. And then you, if you want to see a picture of one of those devotees, it's this. They're fucking just worrying. 
anxious, and it's not fear because fear is a valid emotion responding to an apparent, a real threat. Yeah, anxiety makes it up out of what's not happening. How are you going to get a solution to something that's imaginary? We have to be weaned off of that. And that's perhaps the better way. The better way is what takes us from trusting something finite and having all the consequences of that and being moved to trusting something infinite. And while you're getting moved, when, the, when that infinite demonstrates in your life, honor it. Remember it. Don't let the thing forget a, the miracle in a half hour. Make a little temporary temple there and freaking honor the change. Because one thing I know, the best react, the best attitude towards the grace in this program is honor. Honor the freaking grace. When, when something that you could never face successfully is faced successfully, honor that. Yes? That is perhaps the better way demonstrating. Because the narration is going to keep denying it, forgetting it, distracting it, but everything is yeah, but... And then its world starts. Stop pledging allegiance to that which comes after the but, and pledge allegiance to that light that you feel in this room. Don't pledge allegiance, will I be feeling it on Tuesday? Fuck Tuesday right now. Just allow the grace to download. The dilemma is powerlessness. Here we are. Let the power download. Give up, you know, what, get, what you get weaned off in perhaps their better way, you lose interest in being right. You lose interest in being ahead of someone. You lose interest in all that stuff. Yeah? And you gain interest in what? In others and maybe in spirit. There's a lot of, your interest and attention gets redistributed. And incredible, the operation goes to the great lengths of changing our attitude and outlook. That doesn't happen over a weekend. Your attitude and outlook, you'll have a new attitude and outlook. That is getting to the source code. Yeah, You're going to have a new freedom and a new happiness. This is what's available. But if you keep pledging allegiance to that fucking parasite, that's, only, that's just going to be... You're going to resent the people that are expressing that joy. You're going to be trying to find fault in somehow in them so that you can rationalize that you're okay when you're not. This is about freedom. So what happened with me? I saw there's another, there's a, an addiction under the alcoholism and the drug addiction and the sex addiction, and the gambling, and whatever it is, the porn now, the video games. There's an addiction before all those addictions, and it's the mental state's addiction to being someone. It doesn't care who it is, but it wants to be it. Yeah? And that addiction is what all the other addictions at first were a way to try to correct that. We've been trying to relieve ourselves from the pain of being obsessed with us all day 
and everything has failed because the, the root of the addiction, the root of the bondage of self migrates to everything you freaking do. You feel like you're the one who was drunk and you feel like you're the one who's sober now. That little voice in your head didn't miss a beat. It just changed outfits a little bit. No more leather jackets and tats or something. Now it's, you know. But the voice, the same voice that's been talking to you as you is still talking to you as you after fucking sobriety. Exactly. That addiction hasn't been affected one bit. Its consequences, yeah, and its, and its influence have been diminished, but it's firmly in place. It's like Dracula is totally willing to go out on every vampire hunt. It will kill every other vampire because it will keep all the investigation off of it. The bondage of self is the first addiction. And then we have alcoholism. We have a big, a, the addiction of self and we have alcoholism. So then that self-addiction gets amplified. So what? It's actually the greatest teaching you can have. Because you will come to know that any life run on it will hardly be a success. That selfishness, self-centeredness is just the cream of the top of the poison. The identification as self is the root of the problem because I know it because I've gotten relief from it. You know the problem by relief. You know the problem from the solution. If you wanted to know what the effects of gravity are, you could study for 12 years, go to college, do anything. But if all you need, all you need to do is go into an anti-gravity chamber, and by the absence of the effects, you would know the effects. You will know the problem from the solution, and you'll see it's an activity that the mental state is engaged in. The mental state wants you to be something other than what you are, yeah? And so now what happens? Oh, the thoughts are used to imply the thinker, but it's a bad deal because if you believe you're the thinker of the thoughts, those, those thoughts that you own now can own you. Your thoughts don't own me, but the same thoughts held as mine can own me. It's not the thoughts, it's the mind, yeah? It's being the, the idea that you're the thinker is what gives power to thoughts. It's the idea that you're the feeler that gives power to feeling. It's the idea that you're the doer that gives all the opportunity for guilt and shame and pride to be harvested out of all the things that have ever happened. And if you're a true believer in AA, then really look at the first statement and the first step. You are powerless over alcohol. You are powerless over alcoholism, yes? And it's like dancing with a gorilla. You're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. Why are you still letting that head harvest guilt and shame based on behavior you had no fucking volition about? If I drank or used, I was apt to do almost anything unless you could physically stop me. But the head will go right on claiming to be the doer, doer, and then harvesting. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. I hear it all day. When are we going to get the meaning of powerless? When you're powerless, you're apt to do anything. Something took us over and acted out through us. Yeah? We're accountable, but in the fact, we're not responsible. And I'm telling you, it's been a dead bag, just a giant dead baggage for fucking years. 
Oh, I did this when I was out there. You did tons of shit when you were out there. To take yourself as the cause is ridiculous. You would never have done that. I would never have looked. I would never have seen lint as cocaine. <laughs> I would have seen it as lint. You know what I mean? And the weirdest thing is, the weirdest thing is, I love coke. I love cocaine, but I never thought I was cocaine. This addiction, this drug of the mind, you start as being the drug. The addiction is so advanced, you're calling yourself the drug self. I did tons of coke. I really never saw it. I, the difference between me and coke was clear. <laughs> I didn't try to sleep in a bindle or whatever like that. I was like, and I poured tons of it in. And I worship it and everything. It never crossed that line. We're living, <laughs> we start from behind that line. You're trying to get sober as the fucking disease. The selfing says it has alcoholism. <laughs> selfing has us, to tell you the truth. It's an occupation. The parasite has the host. You can see it. You can see the activity of what you're calling you. You can see it. It's manufactured. Like it says in AA, we manufacture our own misery. I don't believe that. I believe we, we afford the parasite, the factory, to manufacture the misery. And we call it ours. Yeah. I don't think we're manufacturing misery. I think our, our facility is being used to manufacture fucking uh, whatever I said, misery. I think the parasite is busy, has all its little... You know, Santa's helpers chewing it out, and every time it puts itself out, we call them ours. Yes? The bondage of self is when you do an inventory process, you can look at it in many ways, and one of them is, is to see how self has defeated you. So you see how self defeats you by looking at the basic instincts, yeah? The third column, the basic instincts, social, you know, emotional, material, and sexual, and see that the selfing is managing them. Yeah, it sees the way it's it's looking at them in its way. Yeah, and in that managing, because it's a failed system, it provokes a lot, a lot of anxiety about how things are going to go because they've gone bad usually. Yes, and we got to see that it's a failed system. And Bill W says it perfectly. It says, "Why do you? Why do we have so much fear today?" It's a beautiful statement. Why do we have so much fear today? And he goes, isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? So if self-reliance has failed you in the past and you're still relying on it now, because it's failed you in the past, it provokes fear when there's the sense that it's, you're relying on it. Yeah, Of course, you're afraid of what's going to happen because a lot of shit has happened in the past. Yeah. All right, so if self-reliance is the cause of fear, why so much emphasis on fear when it's an effect? I'd much rather look at the cause of the fear than call fear a cause. 
Yeah, and Bill W's then made it clear. He says, self-reliance. Now, what would be the most extreme reliance on self other than being identified as it? Yeah, I mean, you can't be more reliant on it than that, than taking yourself to be it. <laughs> I rest my case. I humbly believe that's the diagnosis. I do. And it hasn't changed in about 15, 18 years. And I've addressed tons of people, and I put it out there. I can't see how he can see it any other way. He's, Bill W. separates the two, self and all of us, and so self is defeating us by manifestation because it can't defeat us. There's no self. It convinces us to, to, to defeat out. To, it convinces us to defeat us by taking ourselves to be a self. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it really is. It's incredible. But if you see it, you won't be looking from it. If you see it, you'll see it as other. And then you can start entertaining being free from it. And that experience that comes infrequently, the problem does not exist for you, can establish, become established or stabilized when the problem does not exist as you anymore. Yeah. And therefore, you have the higher power is always available at all times, right where you are, with no requirement to meet it, except the ones you make up. You are what you've been looking for. So now you see selfing. Selfing is the claiming of all these activities of thought, feelings, and actions. The claiming of those activities to imply the thinker, the feeler, and the actor. When you were a baby, we have one here today, that baby has no idea of being anyone. Yeah, that's why it's so attractive to us. Someone could walk in here with $50,000 worth of clothing, $40,000 worth of plastic surgery, and everyone's attention would go to the baby because that baby is there's no self there it's just fucking on spirit is just <laughs> like that it's like incendiary yeah that hasn't been lost it's just being obscured it hasn't been lost it's being obscured and, you know, I don't believe in the idea of a spiritual malady. Spirit has no malady. It's a mental mal malady. The mental states are overemphasized. Yeah. The interpretation of life is overemphasized than, than the uh, experience of life. Yeah. We're just listening for our head to tell us what's going on instead of just experiencing what's happening. It's a slavery to me, completely, really. It's a slavery. Because its hope for freedom is always put into the future. It never delivers the goods right now. It always promises you they will. And then, just like every other failed system, its narration is full of rationalizations and excuses and blame because it can't produce the goods. Yet we keep signing up for renewing our subscription every year. Let's hear how Paul thinks about 2019. 
just like 2018, 17, 16, 15, 14. It's like having a GPS with maps from 1973. <laughs> it's a failed system. I mean, really. I used to listen to it. He would tell me, I want to feel, yeah, I want to have a good time tonight. So he would tell me, give me a plan. He said, all right, let's go down to the bar. Go down bar, drink some beer, shoot some pool. Hey, see the guy, get some coke. And then let's go meet a girl. Let's go to the club. And then, you know, my night would be uh, intervened on by the police and I'd be forced to jail. So, and I go, what the fuck? What happened? <laughs> and then I, next morning they release me. I go back to the GPS. Hey, I want to have some fun, do the exact same thing and end up in jail and be super surprised. <laughs> well, how did this happen? I did the exact same thing that got me in jail two nights ago. Yes, and they have to keep going back to the fucking dry well. It's a failed system. That's why you were in so much anxiety. We're relying, it's like sitting in a chair that doesn't have any foundation. You're afraid you're gonna fall at any moment because it's a true possibility. Relying on a failed system, that's the attitude and outlook you have. You're under a huge amount of stress because you've got a feeling things are gonna go south, yeah? What does AA teach us? Put out your foot and a stair will appear. Stop living like you've got to be guaranteed a stair. Just take a chance and see what happens. This place, be having a new employer, all we have to do, there's two requirements to be living under that new employer that's all powerful and will take care of us. Staying close to it, which is already completed because you can't be far from everywhere. So that's already done. And then and do his works well. Do some fucking service, yeah? Be available to other people. And that's the guarantee you'll be taken care of here. Why not live it? Act like it's so. So, and non-duality, I don't need to go there today. But because that's that's actually non-duality. Non-duality is the state before all the other states. Non-duality means not to, and it's perfect for AA because that's where we get. That's where we're led anyway. You real? It's not. We see what we're not, and we find out what we are. And I would say we're more of spirit than we are of body. Yeah, I believe right now. But the, the way I see conscious contact, he uses it in a different way. But my idea of conscious contact is the basic of life. There's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Consciousness is engaged with experience. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. That to me is conscious contact. Yes. Now, if you look at conscious contact, it has no volition in it. If I'm looking out this window and my eyes are open, I'm going to see a bird if it flies by. Yeah, I may have taken a vow, I'm never going to see a bird, I'll see a bird. Yeah, or you hear something and you hear people share. Oh, I didn't want to feel that, but the feeling was noted first. And then their head comes up and says, I didn't want to feel that, but you felt it already. Yeah, the feeling. So the consciousness in contact, do you go to seeing classes? Do you, you know, or do you like, oh, I've seen too much today. It's like I'm running out of consciousness. No, it's an infinite fucking supply. Yeah. Now your eyes may go bad, but what seeing doesn't go bad. What's hearing doesn't go bad. There's plenty of it. Yeah. So you're not having to improve your seeing. 
And it doesn't demonstrate any effort or thought, yeah, because it's being what it is, which is conscious. It's being it. Yeah, it's not trying to be it, it's not trying to become it, it is conscious. And it's demonstrating it with an ease and comfort, yeah? Why would you think thought and effort would arrive you at that which demonstrates no thought or effort? The thought and effort is to combat the mental state. The consciousness does not need any thought and effort to arrive at. You are at that. We're just not in the knowledge of it at the moment. We think we're up the ass of self, basically. And so we're always in looking for divine proctologists with the hope they can pull us out. And if they get you out for a weekend, we think that's fucking awesome. But then you're up it on Monday. This is a whole different message. Non-duality is stating the fact that there is no subject-object. There's just subjectivity. There's spirit appearing as things. There's not a thing appearing to look for a spirit. There's spirit appearing as things. So for me, the non-duality just illuminated the AA way. Yeah. Because non-duality is not a path to illumination. I would say AA is. But what non-duality will do will illuminate whatever path you're on. It will bring more, it will not bring more light. There's all the light there is already. It will just, it will just, and it's the light that's obstructing the light. Nothing else could. Yeah? So when we say false evidence appears real in AA, to me that's the thought system, yes? It's presenting false evidence appearing real. But follow it. How could false evidence appear real? It would have to appear real to what's real, yeah? So what's real is us, and we, we take false evidence to be appearing real. That's the trance of the bondage of self, yes? False evidence cannot be real or appear to be real. It can only appear to be real to what's real. We are reality. Not as this, but as what we are. It's just fucking obvious. Yeah? We are reality. We're giving everything all the meaning it has. So non-duality was like oh, just a incredible... The biggest demonstration I had was getting struck sober in this <clears> life. That was the biggest demonstration, because no human power could do it. My mother wanted me to be, you know, sober. The state wanted me to be sober. <laughs> Friends, I wanted me, and nothing would work. You know, and I basically had given up all hope. Something struck, and and the germ of sobriety was downloaded, and then it immediately introduced me to AA. So that germ. <clears throat> sprout and grow for 31 years. So it's a beautiful demonstration. Then the next biggest one was that non-duality. The idea that uh, what I take to be so isn't so. And that I become sort of malleable to have new information come in. And maybe I can see things like Jesus says, you know, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, maybe I can hear and see something that I'm missing. Yeah. And it's proven to be, it's true. So it's, uh, the action figure needed a way of life, that's AA. And then non-duality is just what's prior to everything. So you don't see bondage as something to escape from. You see it from prior to it. And there's no one that was ever bound. That's how you start seeing it. So suddenly that which you would love to arrive at becomes the norm. 
Just like the idea of being in the moment is predicated on an insane idea that you could be out of the moment. That gets totally dismissed, yes? So, you know, you, you're absolutely clear you've never been out of any moment, you've never been in, and therefore you're not attempting to get into the moment because you've never been out of the moment. This is, this is a non-duality effect, yes? So, you're not trying to get out of self because you realize you have never been in self. So, therefore, it's like a bizarro switch. You're not trying to get into what you can't be out of, and you're not trying to get out of what you can't be in. Yes? That's correction. That's very, that's clear correction. Yeah, so, uh, you experience being in the moment, but that you had nothing to do with it. That's the beauty of it. And the beauty of AA, when I started giving talks through AA, it was obvious it wasn't from me. It was more like water through a hose. And what I'll share with you, I used to do, uh, have the privilege to do a fourth-step workshop every Monday night in San Francisco for going on 16 years. As long as I was in the country, I traveled a lot, but when I was in the country, I didn't do it or show up for it. And, you know, in those 16 years of Mondays, that's a lot of Mondays. I was in a lot of different circumstances and situations, emotionally, physically, out there. And, you know, like, my fairy princess once left me five minutes before the talk. I was waiting to hear if I had AIDS back then when he got checked for AIDS. It took three weeks to find out. And I was a user, so it was, I was a pretty good candidate. I had sinus infection, shit like that. But whatever the condition or circumstance and all the things that were pressing in on me, when I would sit in this meeting, they would be totally forgotten. And you could just feel this flow moving through. Now, as soon as the meeting was over, after a few minutes, they'd come back. But after their disappearance so many times, I said, how could they be real if they could disappear so quickly? <laughs> <laughs> and I saw that they need me to seem real. When me was taken up by the grace, they didn't seem real at all. Yeah, sort of like when you're dealing with newcomers and... Uh, you know, their house is on fire and this and that, and the best thing to do is tell them where the nearest pail of water is. And then after the half the fire's out, maybe you can suggest, you know, it's strange how many fires you're at, you know what I mean? And a little subtle idea to sort of maybe see their role in it, you know, that kind of stuff. So <laughs> first, you gotta just need to give the help that's needed immediately, you know, with the hopes that maybe when it's cleared out, you can entertain other ideas, yeah, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. Does anyone remember what I was saying? No, no one's listening. <laughs> all the Mondays. Oh, all the Mondays. So yeah, so I felt this, it seemed like a hose, and then this water coming through. And then there's a statement AA, I'm using you guys as to uh, dispute some of the things said in AA. They say you have to have it to give it away. I believe if you're willing to give it away, you have it. I do. Yeah, I don't believe you have to have it to transmit it. I mean, if you're willing to be used as a transmission, you will. That's my experience completely. Yeah. So there I was, sick as a dog, come through, totally bereaved of a lost love, come through. It didn't seem to have, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was <coughs> the beauty of it. Yeah. So, and therefore it was very difficult for the head to sort of try to get before it and claim it. Yeah, there's so many, I'll get the door. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs>
We're not two levels below a coconut, yeah? There's sentience, and you'll be able to observe. Like Jesus said, you'll know the tree by its fruits. You can't know the tree, but you'll know it by its fruits. So you'll see by what's demonstrating in your life, not seeing yourself as the cause of it, but the effect of it, or the expression of it, you will get an intimation of that grace, that spirit. And, you, and basically, it will always be right where you are at all times. I'd say it's more you than anything else imagined. Yeah. And that's a, one more thing I want to say. This is a big thing in AA for me, too. Because if you look at the 12 steps of AA, it's a linear process, right? And so, in a linear process, first would be more important than next. Yes? Yeah. First would be more important than next. All right, so... In page 63, he says, you've got to quit playing God. First, you've got to quit playing God. It doesn't work. And then next, in this drama of life, God will be the father, you'll be the children. And you know, get that imagery of depending on something greater than yourself. Yes? But it says first. So the biggest principle of AA is the third step, but there's something even more important. The first is quit playing God. Now, this is the key. Because the, that which is selfing, the parasite in the brain, it's playing God. When you wake up, your thoughts tell you how you are, don't they? How the day's going to be. It says, I, it, it's, it says with great surety what 8 p.m. is going to be like at 8 a.m. Yes, it doesn't have a freaking clue, but it forecasts, yes? So it's playing God all day. Okay, so let's say it's playing God right now or at the moment you're reading this book, AA. And it says you've got to quit playing God, it doesn't work. So that which is playing God claims to be the reader of, you got to quit playing God. All right? So now that which is playing God tries to quit playing God. Isn't that playing God? Ad infinitum? If that which is playing God tries to quit playing God, that's playing God. This is the beauty of it. You see that you're not that which is playing God. That's how there's the quitting of playing God. You see, you're the God juice that the parasite's using to play God. It's using your juice to defeat you by its manifestations. Paul? Yeah? I want to ask a question. Yeah. I've also thought about that phrase, we had to quit playing God. And... Can you describe experientially what that looks like? Yes. What is playing God? How does that show itself? How can I identify? Yes. All right. What's playing God? playing God? Yes. What you wait when you wait, you wake up in the morning, and you think a boss is going to fire you hasn't thought about you in weeks. Yeah. That everyone's out to get you. They have no time to think about you. They think about themselves all day. It says your life's going to suck. You might as well just roll over. You're not, you're not lovable. All this. Yes? You can do it all in one day. That's, the, that's playing God. I'd like to dialogue with you for a minute. All right, well. Not that I'm playing God. 
<laughs> oh yeah. But would also then be being judgmental, playing God, being criticizing or condemning, playing God, or the image of God that this quote self has would be the image that says you're not doing it right. This has to go differently. If you can see that as playing God, but I think it, the broader strokes are easier to recognize when it's pontificating about the future or as if it knows what's going to happen. Yes? I would say those are more easy ways to see it. Okay. Yes. So what, see, just you're trying to paint, paint an image. So maybe it has 8,000 strokes. You're just using a few broad strokes so that you can recognize the stroke. Yes? And then you'll see what it looks like when it's attempting to play God. And you have to realize you're seeing it play God. When you were out there using, you weren't, probably. But now you've gotten, your aperture is opened. AA has given you a higher view or a larger view. So at times you see that which you're not playing God. You catch it, don't you? You do. And so, all right. Let that inform you of something. You must be the seeing of that, not that which is being seen. Yeah? The seeing would be more of you than that which you're seeing, isn't it? So all day we have a lot of experiences of seeing from what we are. The dilemma with that which is playing God, it runs over them and forgets them like a fucking little speed bump. Yeah? It does it, it, it plays a lot of emphasizing and unemphasizing. It plays down any any sort of apparent threat to its little dominion, yes? It's basically a huge filter of information, and it's all the information is always pertaining to it. Yeah, that's what self-centeredness is, is you see everything as how, how as how it pertains to you. That's self-centeredness. That is a very distorted way of looking that's blind to what's seen. Yeah? And therefore, if you try to use that looking to find what's seeing, yeah, all the emphasis will be on that which is looking. Yeah? What happens when you want to know God? The <coughs> emphasis is on you as a knower of God, very little on God. It's all about you, always. Yeah. So yeah, you can see it. Quit playing God. Playing God, uh, some people... They're totally sure they're never they're unlovable. That's unfucking believable, really. You know, if you've ever worked with somebody, some of them are pretty slippery. This one guy is great because he always has the monthly the problem, which is unique to every other the problem. Now I've been with him for years, so I said, Oh, is this the problem different than the problem in March or the problem last year? But he, he's so sure of one or two differences. It thinks it makes it a totally new thing. But it, you could just replace Julie with Mary. It would be the same thing. Yes? So this sense of uniqueness is so thoroughly strong. You're, it's, it's immune to hearing any possibility of seeing what you're not. It's funny. I catch him because I don't, I'm not invested in his story. So I'm saying, oh, that sounds like the problem of 2017. <laughs> 
No, it's different. No one's having the pain I'm having. Well, people are having pain, but it's not like my pain is in the pelvis. It's right near the gonads. No one, well, I'm sure other people are having that. No, I'm unique. There's no one you can, no one's having, you know. All right, bro. It goes on and on. And what happens? He gets to be right and alone in that misery. And I'm telling you, if you own, if you take yourself to the feeler, feelings will be able to drive you crazy. If you take yourself to be the thinker, the thoughts will own you. The, the freedom is at the point of the doer, the thinker, the feeler. Don't worry about the thoughts; they're not yours. And if you can, if you don't can't believe that, just listen to people share in AA. They sound. We all sound quite similar, eh? And if you look at our community, thousands of us, how many of us end up at the same three parking spaces of institution, jails, and death? You've got to realize there's one driver of the fleet. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Fairlane and the Pinto, you know, are all having the same driver. So the parasite's paying attention to the same thing in all of us. The parasite has a limited amount of traits. Limited, very limited. You can recognize it in others. It's amazing we can't turn that on and recognize it in ourselves. Yeah. See, and then everyone in the world's afraid of parasites. It's funny because they're kind of inhabited by one. Every time you in the New Age, you'd want to take a test of your shit or something. The first thing you check, look for parasites. And you're fucking completely taken over by one. It's hilarious. It really is. It's afraid of parasites. It's insane. Truly insane. Yeah. Yeah. There is a solution. There is. There's a solution. And, you know, I believe recovery progresses. You know, they say the disease progresses. I believe recovery progresses. Definitely. Yeah. Just get out of the way. Stay on the operating table. Don't get up. Don't play doctor. Things go well. Yeah. And you'll be put to use. And in being put to use, you'll be better for it. Yes. You'll be of service. See, if you recognize your present, which is you're always in the moment. Yeah. So that means you're present. Yeah. If you're present... That causes you, or that makes you available, yeah? If you're present, you're available to what's happening. Yeah? So if you're present, which you are, you're available, which you are, even though you may not think so, you are. If you're present and available, you're of service. Now there's doing service, and then there's the attitude of being of service. You hope that by doing service a lot, it will lead you to the possibility that you can be of service, which means you're available and present. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like attitude and outlook. That's cool to me, yeah? There's so much possibility in this. The only thing that can limit it is our belief in the thought system, really. And the only reason why we believe in the thought system is presented as us. You would lose you would lose interest in it if it would, if you saw the Stanleys. You would you would look like that. You'd be bored stiff. 
but you've been listening to it because it's about you for 50 years. No one else would fucking subscribe to that station. You, know, you have one, you have one subscriber, basically, and it's all the same station. It just has a different flagship: Paul, Mary, Jim. But it's the same stock. It's like that thing. What do they call it? Clear Channel. It's Unclear Channel. Everyone is syndicated Unclear Channel. <laughs> Subscribing. They're selling the same shit. <laughs> And the sense of the sense of unique specialness is just it's mind boggling. It really is. <laughs> so yes. I've done my job. Just put it out there. I hope, you know, my dream about this in AA is that we've been sharing this view for years now and it's out there. I go up to a big recovery center and I speak this week, this next weekend. I've been doing it for 11 years, just putting out these ideas so, so that people won't have to leave to find out about them. They can stay in AA and they'll be here. Yeah. Because sometimes when people leave, they don't come back. So I'd rather have it available in our. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's it, I think. Oh, questions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I can I follow most of it, you know, like the shark attack in the box, but I got so let's say I've been listening to this guy for my whole life and now because of AA and some other practices I'm starting to realize that some of the information that's coming through is wrong. Yeah. Okay. Some of it's right, but some of it's wrong. So how how do you, I have an inner dialogue on a good day saying that's wrong, that's good, that's wrong, that's good. So how do I, is the object to stop the wrong information? No, there's no object it, to stop the wrong information or the right information. It's just to see that you're not the one. That's all. And then things happen with the information. That makes me feel really good. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does because I I always thought like, man, what is wrong? Why am I manufacturing this horseshit? Well, you're head? not manufacturing. You're being used. I'm being right. You're the you're the facility that it's using like that to manufacture concept. misery because you can imagine next week, and you can return to last year. Animals don't. Right. Yes. It has a huge field day with this animal because we can imagine what it's going to use to cause suffering. We can make tons of suffering out of what's not happening. Animals can't, basically. Yeah. They're limited in, in their scope. We have a larger spectrum, and the parasite can really, really demonstrate itself in our life. Yeah, and you see it. It, it provides a thought, but that thought has a desire to compel an action, yes? It's an urge, mm -hmm. and it gets to be an urge where you, you just want to pull that trigger, you know? Because the thought has a very, very short life if it doesn't compel an action. The thought just dissipates and goes. But if it can cause an action, that action can leave a lasting impression. Like, that, the thoughts that sent me out that night that I got run over, I had been out to this bar already on a freezing night in January 30th, in Long Island, New York, there was two people at the bar, the bartender and the waitress, when I left Sunday night. 
When I got home, my head told me, maybe a big party erupted back there. I'm going to miss something. And I drove back there, and I met a Chevy Malibu. Ran me over before I got to the other side of the street, twice. Yeah? Now that effect from those thoughts has lasted every day of my life for 38 years. Yeah? That's a pretty long extended effect from a string of thoughts. That's what the urge is in the head. It wants to compel an action. The alcoholism wants you to drink and use because it facilitates it coming out more. Yes? It's like, open, it's like blowing a hole in, in a wall. It can come out. So it's constantly, that's that, that obsessive gnawing is trying to compel you to do something. Fucking make, send an email you not, shouldn't do, text, call up someone three in the morning. Yeah, it's like this. Let's say I'm with a woman, and then, you know, in eight years I'm with her, and then a few times I have a thought, I hate this woman, you know? But it just passes. But one night I say it, I hate you. Now, I forget about it after I go drinking, but she hasn't. And then all her friends haven't because she calls them. And so now I'm confronted with the effect of that thought. Yes? She doesn't forget that I told her I hate you, and nor do her friends. Now that thought had passed by many, many times, produced very little effect. Once it blurted out, it showed an effect. It extended its a life, yes, so to speak. Just like I have this, a thought extended its life. It changed my whole physical aperture, I mean apparatus, yeah? For 38 years, that thought was a compulsion like many others that hadn't broken the surface, but many of them have. And a lot of overdoses followed, arrests followed, fucking broken relationships followed. A lot of things followed when those thoughts got out. That's the drive, yes? At least AA allows them to stay in the box. Yes? Fuck. And I'll tell you, when they think, when, yours, when they're held as yours, you're the booster rocket, they break out of this membrane, and they, they appear out here, and they produce havoc that you have to fucking either deny and avoid all your life or own, own, own up to, but you're going to be called to task sooner or later. And, uh, you know, if you can see a thought as a thought, it comes and goes much easier than when it's corralled or lassoed by my thought. Because then the thought can own you. Once you own the thought, it can own you. That's how it works. So maybe it helps you to see most thoughts that are happening are alcoholic thoughts. To me, that helped. So I saw it wasn't personal. And then I kept seeing more and more they're not my thoughts. And so the same thoughts that used to be like a CNN newsflash all day are like Comedy Central now. I'm just entertained by them. They're insane. Incredibly insane. Very small, vindictive, petty thoughts. Totally insane. It's in such a state of agitation all day. It's hilarious, really. You know? And you feel compassion for it, too. It's just eating its own tail, thinking it's something else. It's just really. But... It's incredible that it doesn't get much play on the main stage. It has to come, I have to have it come out of me for it to make a big splash. Yeah. So, yes. And I see, and I can tell by the results why it wasn't having those results. It's the identification as the thinker.
It's the identification as the feeler. The shame and guilt gets harvested because it's your thinking you are the doer of those behaviors. Even though we've been confronted with the first step of AA, the selfing, the addiction of selfing overrides. You know you're powerless, yet you still, the head still creates guilt and shame out of what it says you did. It's unbelievable. Un it's unbelievable, really. So you can get relief from alcoholism, and it may not lead to relief from the addiction to self. It's a big upgrade, but I'm telling you, it continues. Yeah, it continues in recovery easily. Yeah, so... So the idea of trying to change these thoughts that come in their mind is probably wasted time, but the time should be developed in trying not to pay attention to them. Well, and first, the thing is, is change your actions first. Because AA's first move is to, uh, to act yourself into right thinking, not think yourself mm -hmm. yeah, into right actions. So you just act. Just do the program, basically. Just show up, do it. And it's only a day at a time, and the effects will occur, and you'll lose interest. Not you lose into the thoughts by losing interest in the thinker. If you really saw your thoughts as Stanley's, you would lose interest in the thoughts. You would. Yes. It's only because they're they're cast as yours or about you. There's an incredible interest in them, and that's what gives them power, is our own interest. Yeah, we are the light that its whole movie is using to project its story. We are the light. We're the natural resource it's living off of. We provide the facility. We provide the electricity. We provide the raw material. And we're allowing it to mold a life, a story about us that binds us into this fucking prison in our head. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So sometimes there's peace, like you said, when you go to the movies and you feel that sense that you felt where sometimes I feel that way, not when I'm in a meeting or not. I just feel that way. And so how, why can't we just kill the seer and just be? Why does there have to be a seer? Because the seer isn't really me anyway. The thoughts aren't me anyway. Exactly. So why can't we just kill? I've tried I've tried a lot. Because that, that which we are calling the self, that really doesn't exist either. Because that's only what I've been since I've been born. It's only the creation that has been. If I am my spirit and my light, that which exists in me, and I am not this body, then why can't I kill the thoughts? Well, kill the what? The thoughts? Yeah, the thoughts, because they're not really necessary. If I'm present, if I'm, if I'm really present, I don't have to think to be. I can... But this is how things are. There's thoughts, just like your blood gets pumped. There's thoughts and there's feelings and there's experiences triggered. Yeah? This message is more about acceptance of things at first, to start there, before the killing rampage starts. Yeah? Well, I, I think, for lack of a better word, it's not, I'm not saying kill it, but I'm basically saying that that which is seen also is not me. Uh, I think we got a little uh, confused with the semantics. So that which is seeing is not you. No. Not if I go far back enough. I would say that which is looking is not you. Okay. That which is seeing is you. 
Okay. That's what we are, is okay. seeing. Yeah. Good. Looking is a... Seeing is what we are. Yes? Seeing, awareness. Okay? You want to call it that. It's okay. not seeing of the eyes. It's seeing, awareness. Yeah? So that is what, let's say, we are. And now, and that is a timeless condition. It always is, always was, always will be. Yes? Awareness. Okay, now that awareness is manifesting here. And in that, the, the manifest of that awareness, when you see it as a baby, it's still awareness, yes? It's still the seeing. But as the brain develops, it now becomes a form of looking. So the seeing in time is looking. And how the looking is the engine of self, the selfing, yes? So now the looking is called self-centeredness. You start seeing everything as how it pertains to you. That's a form of looking, yeah? And if you attempt to use the looking to find that which is seeing, all the while that which is looking is the seeing, you're blind to the seeing. This is the dilemma. So a lot of times when we're speaking, we're speaking from what we're not, wanting to get out of what we're not, yeah? What you're not wants to get out of what you're not. It does. That's part of being what it's not. The best way to validate that it's real is wanting to get out of it, yeah? Self wants to get out of self. But that's like my friend says, as I've discussed this with people that are seeking, you know, seeking. It's, it, she says, and I love the way she describes it, it's, it's two heads of the same serpent. So why not just get rid of the serpent so you can be? It doesn't have to be as common. Well, why not then? But you can't get rid of the serpent. If you're still, if you're still there, that's the serpent. If the thoughts can come and go, like you, you were describing, they, they can come and go. What, the acknowledgement of them is what, causes, what wreaks havoc. It's not the acknowledgement of them, it's the claiming of them. Okay, claiming. Semantics, just like you said. No, a claiming has an intention. Acknowledgement would be conscious, in a sense. Conscious is noticing it. The claiming has an intention. So the thoughts are used to imply the thinker. Yeah? The bondage is not of thought. The bondage is of thinker. The, the bondage is of thinker. It's truly, if thoughts were moving in your head and there was a little ticker tape underneath and saying, these are Stanley's, you would have the ability not to be paying attention to the thoughts. The thoughts draw our attention because they cast as ours or about us, really. That's the bonding. The bonding is an activity that's its main engine is claiming. And then the wish for it to all to be different is usually on the side of what you're not. What you are is totally, totally, totally accepting of what's happening now, completely, I'll tell you the truth. And this is what happens. Even in AA, we say it. You do the fourth step, and people said they expect everything to get great or whatever after the fourth step. And what they find out is they're all right with everything just as it is. That's the fucking value. Yes? Acceptance is the key. There's an acceptance of what seems unbearable to what you're not. There's an acceptance of it. You give everything its five minutes on the stage instead of shuffling it off through denial and all this shit. There's a negation of it. It's not like, I'm not that. It's just, I'm not that. You know, as you've come to an obvious conclusion, I'm not that. 
and then for the thoughts lose the power that they seem to have and you're really not that interested in getting rid of them or this or that you're really not what are you going to replace them with yeah you would think you oh it would be better it could be worse to tell you the truth <laughs> it's sort of like pumping blood you're not you're not you're not pumping your heart Almost every activity of the body is involuntary. The only one that's half voluntary is breath. Every other process that is totally essential for life, you have nothing to do with. Some power knew better than to give you any real power. So the head just has a megaphone and acts like it's doing everything. It doesn't have much say here at all in the basic living of this place. Yeah? It, it yaps and yaps and yaps, but I'd like to see you try to think. I like this. Write, show me a diagram of no thinking and then how no thinking, then thinking gets put. You can't. You're just observing thoughts. You have nothing to do with them. You're a consciousness. So what comes into the field of consciousness, you're conscious of. And most of the thoughts aren't you're not conscious of because the mental state puts, you, puts blinders on so that you don't see a lot of the information that's being brought in. So it sort of selects like intelligence to support its own story that you're it, yeah? And then all the claiming is attributed to a body. How does the, how does the system, the mental system convince you uh, you're being the doer? It's by being the body. The thinker is seen as the body. When you feel like you're the thinker, you feel like it's you as a body. When you're hearing the thoughts, you think they're yours because they're the sound of your vocal cords. These are not your vocal cords. <laughs> they're the body vocal cords. You, because you're identified as a body, you call them yours. They're not your vocal cords. <laughs> this isn't your voice. It's just a voice, yeah? The head, I've seen it from head to toe. I've seen it. I've seen its activity, like it or not. I've got, it's like seeing your mom naked when you're young. It's sort of like, oh, I didn't really want to see that. You know, it's weird. But I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen the activities. I have. And I'm here to report back. Now, you can agree or disagree. It's out of my jurisdiction. My job is to share. So I've done my job. But, uh, and if people who know me, I haven't, I haven't left this point in years because there's no point in leaving this point without being clear. Or you'll be thinking it's you all the time. You'll be thinking it's you getting out of you, which is the biggest way of being in you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. So, there it is. I don't know what... And then find out for yourself. I'm just putting out information, possibility, and if it works, you know, let it, allow it to work. Yeah. I've just seen since I have entertained this idea, uh, the demonstration's undeniable. Yeah. So I don't even feel like I need to affirm it anywhere because it's undeniable. I mean, to me, this is the last answer. I haven't... And the last answer is the great answer because it negates all need for any other answers in this topic. You know, and it's, it's been this way for a long time. I'm not looking to uh, radicalize it or make it extreme. I'm just 
absorption awareness. I believe humbly, we're inherently awake. The consciousness is demonstrating it. The consciousness is before volition, and that's what I am, more than this, that, which is said to be after volition. It's just obvious, yeah? So we are all inherently awake, but we just don't think so. And it's gone to suction stream. We're spending a lot of time and money to try to wake up, and it's redundant. <laughs> just stop firmly having faith in the denial that you're awake, and then you'll see it's quite easy. But there's the thing is, there's, you're not going to get any black belts or parades. It's not like, oh, I, I've reached the highest point. It's, 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 it's freely given. It's just the way it is. There's no merit you're going to accrue out of it. You can't, you can't show it off to others. It's just dog shit awareness. You're awake to the fact that you're always on. Yeah? I never get gypped. Sleeping or awake, I'm always here. That which I am. Yes, always. Never came, never left. Never turns left, never turns right. Always available at all times. No matter what condition you think you're in, it's conditions prior to all the other ones. You're the dominant condition that doesn't change. It's unconditionally conditioned. Yeah. It's like the example I always used to use. It's like the sky, yeah? So there's the sky. And in the day, some days there's thousands of clouds, some days there are eight clouds, yeah? But all the clouds never fill up the sky, right? They don't change the sky. Yeah? A plane flies through the sky, doesn't call the tower and say, I ran into a big chunk of sky. No. When it rains, the sky doesn't get wet. We get wet. Yeah? Things get wet. Yeah? Yet the sky, so the sky allows everything, to, all this shit to happen in it, but it's not affected at all by any of it. That's sort of what we are like. That's like what the mind and spirit is like. It's like a sky. All the thoughts, all the feelings, all the phenomena, they're all happening in it, but not having any effect on it. Yes? Yeah. It's like the, it could have 365 days of 4th of July explosions. They will never rip the sky open. Never. It's all like the screen in a movie. There's thousands of movies projected on the same screen. The melodrama doesn't wet the screen. The army movie doesn't blow up holes in the screen. The screen can hold everything and anything that's happening and is not affected by any of it. That's sort of what we're like. Yeah? These effects are being had or felt by the thing. And this thing is terminal. It's finite. It's 70, 90 years, and it's going to be like it never even happened. Time makes what's impossible seem possible. The timelessness negates it all. In one moment of timelessness, which is every moment of time, it tells you it's always been this way. That's nothing ever really freaking happened. All our belief that we separated isn't so. All our belief that we're connected isn't so. It's just mental machinations. It's content bumping into itself. But the context is always, always inclusive and never, never really affected by what's appearing there. That spirit, could you imagine resting there? It would include the agitation of the head. It's not in fighting it or killing it or vanquishing it. 
Things are allowed to be what they are because they're not real. They're appearing and disappearing constantly in that which doesn't appear and disappear. We are a product of that. We are an extension of that. We're extending as that in appearance. And to make this place seem real, we have to forget that so that the appearance seems so real. So we can take this ride seriously. But it's going to terminate. It's going to be over. And like it's just like tonight. You're going to go to sleep and nothing, it will be like nothing ever happened in deep sleep. And yet you'll come back up the next day and it'll be like Henry Winkler sees the leather jacket, he plays the Fonz another day. <laughs> All the while, maybe he's realized the best I can be as, far as the Fonz is useful. That's all. You know, maybe I can be of use here or there. Yeah, play its roll out and seat assignment, knowing for sure, for sure, the, the, the stability and the reliance on that, of that infinite, you know, like Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. What you're relying on is not of this world. And hopefully that which you've been looking for in the in is of what we are. And hopefully we'll bring the of into the in. That's our job here, in a sense. That's our expression. So that which cannot be seen, hear, heard, felt, and tasted, and touched can come through into this place of seeing, hearing, feeling, taste, and touch, and maybe uplift ourselves and fucking others, you know? <laughs> so, yes. That's it? Yeah. My boss is telling me. It's over. <laughs> I can't hold this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we, are we going to pass?